Hey everyone, this is Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all of the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to the Instant Relevance Podcast. The Instant Relevance Podcast is an educational podcast featuring the latest news and resources to make learning relevant for all students. Follow us on Twitter at InstantRel. Yeah, I think that, um, so I've been uh, dropping in a little bit today and uh, checking out some of the other podcasts, and uh, um, I did notice that we missed our theme music, but it was a little bit too late. I guess uh, um, maybe I could just play the free theme music that we had from our podcast that we found online somewhere um, that we just kind of stuck with after a little while. Can you sing it? Uh (laughs) That's more know. my thing, but I'm not in full voice today, so yeah, uh, we're going to say singer. no. I was yeah. going to suggest you just blow into the palms of your hand. <laughs> so I am going to turn the mic over to Raymond and Dennis. They have a special guest, uh, someone that I'm anxious to hear that I've only seen on, on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I'm going to get out of your way. All right. Um, well, thank you for having us. Uh, like I said, I've been... Uh, kind of popping in a little bit today. Actually, I've caught uh, a lot of uh, the beginning of a lot of half hours just kind of in between taking care of kids today and driving kids around for naps. So we're excited here uh, on the Instant Relevance podcast to be a part of Voice Ed Canada. But also we're extremely excited for this live event because we are officially launching season two of our podcast. Um, For fans of the show that are listening, You might have already seen that we actually released our first interview um, this morning. Uh, We had a a great talk with uh, education innovator uh, Don Wetrick. Um, We're really excited about this second season of the Instant Relevance podcast. We're going to start releasing it every week, kind of on and off with some Instant Relevance mini moments. But also we have a lot of really great guests this year. Um, Like I said, we have Don Wetrick. We... uh, had uh, Dr. Brad Gustafson, we have uh, John Harper, um, also some people from just different parts of uh, education. We have a uh, former union leader, uh, Paul Toner from Rhode Island, and then uh, a couple of different organizational leaders here in Rhode Island as well. That kind of brings us uh, to today's guest, and I will let Dennis uh, do the introduction. Thanks, Raymond. First of all, uh, we're really excited to be a part of the Voice Ed Canada radio network this uh, season. And again, the Instant Relevance podcast, you can learn a little bit more about us by going on Twitter at Instant Rel. And you can follow me at MathDennisNJ. That's just Dennis with one N, which I've been telling people ever since I could speak and spell my name. And Raymond is at Blended blended underscore Math. And uh, today I am super excited to welcome uh, a mentor of mine, uh, somebody who has constantly encouraged me to uh, to up my my educational game, to really learn more, to do more, to create more, uh, and has inspired my writing and my work and my living in a lot of ways. So I uh, am excited to welcome to our Instant Relevance podcast and the Voice Ed uh, Marathon, Alice Keeler, 
who is the author of many books that you hopefully have read or have or have on your shelf and are ready to read 50 things you can do with google classroom 50 things to go further with google classroom teaching math with google apps google apps for littles ditch that homework and probably multiple projects in the works so uh alice welcome to the instant relevance podcast section of the marathon and why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about uh what is new and powerful and exciting in your life that is driving your focus and energy these days Hey, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and, and my microphone's working. The other day I was on a phone call and it wasn't working and the guy was all, oh, good. We're having an education ex or technology expert who can't mute their mic. And then I I fell down and bumped my head on my desk because I was trying to make it work. So at least I'm healthy right now. I have been teaching this semester and that's been driving a lot of what I do, obviously. I've had some great students and what I'm really excited about is that my new job this year, the, the principal just has a passion for individualizing student learning, that we partner with parents and we look at what students are interested in and really hone in on how we can adapt assignments for, for their passion. So I have a new student and she is vegan and she's super excited about it. I am not vegan, my daughter's name is Bacon. But that's okay. <laughs> I, it's not really her name, but she's been going by that since she was two. I think um, any of us who know you know that you're not vegan. If we've ever seen a single food post of yours on Twitter or Facebook. <clears throat> so true. Although I did have vegetarian lunch today and it was super tasty. But I digress. You? I, you know, instantly, she just had such a great, fun personality. And we're like, you know what? We need to, she said she doesn't know how to cook. And I'm like, I'm a great cook. So how can we show you how to to do some different cooking things and so she's got she's already started a a website well she actually hasn't started the website yet we've started planning it so we're doing a research project where we're looking at different vegan sites and ways to cook vegan and uh, setting up a youtube channel of her learning from scratch how to cook and trying to see how we can tie all of her learning standards into this one project that she's super passionate about. Now she had come to our school uh, having failed almost every class at the previous school and basically asked to leave. And then here she is where she's with me and she's super excited and super passionate. And every time I talk to her, she's like, well, I've been looking up this and let me show you this video. And she does all these academic and amazing things on her own. She is far from lazy, far from stupid. Although, you know, sometimes she feels like she is. And you're like, that's tap into a kid's passion and get out of their way. I hate it, hate it when people tell me kids don't you know a kid doesn't want to learn that's ridiculous of course they want to learn every kid wants to learn learning feels really good but feeling dumb does not and so when a kid doesn't do work it's a coping technique and how do we tap into what kids are passionate about and help them to get excited about what they're learning because they do want to learn so that would be i think the thing that's been exciting me this last week that's great. That definitely fits into the themes of the Instant Relevance podcast. Um, I love how you talked about uh, you have a supportive administration for individualizing student learning. One thing I've been doing a lot with my teachers is kind of reviewing uh, what the word rigor looks like. And uh, a lot of people have, it, especially in the math classroom, a lot of people have this connection with rigor being 
more difficult. Um, but just more. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, the same types of problems with, you know, just harder numbers, you know, and that's kind of, you go to that other differentiated worksheet that has the fractions on it or the decimals rather than the whole numbers. Um, but a lot of people forget, you know, uh, up at the top of, uh, you know, uh, Bloom's taxonomy is, you know, creation and, uh, that people really forget that individualization is rigor and, uh, that really gets lost in the math classroom. Um, since we're all math teachers here, can you maybe talk about um, maybe the thing that you're most excited about in particular in your math classroom um, that helps you with student uh, individu- sorry, individualizing? Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I really have started doing with my students, so first of all, I always tell them we do math slowly and we think about it. We're not trying to crank through a bunch of math problems, which we know is not really super sticky. You you did 30 problems of it and then yet many adults do not like math and feel that they're not good at it, which of course they are. Uh, they just need to connect with it in the right way. And so there's no point in my mind as just cranking through all these problems, uh, understanding it and feeling good about it and making those connections. So my super cool thing that I love to do with my students is Google Slides. And we do one Google Slides, and it is required that you have to have at least, it's going to end up being at least 40 slides. I don't have a hard number on that, but I just tell them, if, you do, if you're really doing this, you're going to end up with 40 slides. So I usually find a problem that someone puts out on Twitter. So it's going to be more interesting since someone thought it was interesting enough to tweet. And I put that into a Google Slides. And the very first step for doing a math problem is take a selfie. How confident do you feel about this problem? And students that don't want to do screenshot or uh, selfies, right? They don't want their face in it. That's fine. Uh, if they're allowed to have a Bitmoji, I teach high school students, so some of them already have one. Or they'll make a fake one that doesn't look like them, but they're willing to have one. Or they just get a, get a hand selfie where they just stick their hand in, in the webcam. So that the first one is how confident you feel. And since I'm intentionally picking problems that are challenging, and I also pick ones that they don't know how to do. It covers literally topics they've never seen or heard from. So they look at this and they're like, I don't even know. I had one student, she was practically yelling at me because I said, I don't think that you're going to be able to answer this question because it's possibly pre-calculus. And she's like, why are you even giving this to me? And she needed to go somewhere and I was very upset that I was asking her to do this. And I said, you know, you had to, you're going to end up with all these slides. So she starts adding in slide after slide after slide of this is stupid. Why am I doing this? And then writing each word of the question one slide at a time. And I'm like, actually, I love that. Get it all out. You know, the process is sharing your feelings and thinking through it. I tell my students, if you approach a math problem with what's the first step, we're sunk. Because life isn't like that. We don't get math problems out of the textbook handed to us. They're much more enriching and, and complex. And, and you got to think, OK, I have all of this information, what's relevant, what's not relevant. So I say, OK, good, get it out. Now let's just brainstorm anything you observe, whether or not it has to do with answering the question. So they just start listing a bunch of things. I noticed that there's a vertex. I noticed this. I noticed that. I'm like, OK, do you know what this is? No. So I have a rule. You have to have a screenshot of you Googling something. You are required to look something up when I give my students a math problem. So some paradigm shifts. 
is we don't try to do it quickly and crank through a bunch of them. We try to focus on the the process. And you're required to have a selfie at least three to show your feelings. You're supposed to demonstrate curiosity. What were you curious about? What kind of things did you explore and look at that may or may not have resulted in you answering the question? You take a screenshot and put that in. And then when you discover something that you declare it on its own slide. So when you realize that A is equal to C, you just put that on one slide and nothing else. So you make these declarations. So if someone is looking through your slide deck of 50 some slides, they see your epiphanies. The other thing is you're required to turn in someone else's work. You should show collaboration. And I love quarter sheets of paper. Quarter sheets of paper are perfect for holding up to the webcam. And so if you're working with somebody, your partner might have some math that they've done on a quarter sheet. And so you'll take their work and hold them and say, this is what this person came up with. I agree or disagree. Or maybe you just add a text box where you say, hey, I talked with so-and-so and, and this is what we debated and talked about. But they have to demonstrate some level of collaboration because talking about learning, talking about math is very highly rated, right? Number talks, uh, collaboration, very high on John Hattie's list for learning effectiveness. And so they go through this process where they uh, look something up and it leads them to something else. And by the way, when they look something up, they also have to explain what they found. So they add a text box for that. And my girl who was very upset that she wasn't gonna be able to do this, what it was was you're gonna take a rectangle and rotate it around a line and find what figure would give you, what, where would you place the line to get you a volume of 150 pi. And she's a seventh grader. Hmm. And, you know, she did a Google search and she found a website. She basically typed in the question. She found a website that showed what looks like when you rotate a shape. And it she's like, oh my gosh, that's a cylinder. And she goes from having this super bad attitude to where she's like perked up because she's discovered something. And it's like, okay, well, what's the... What do, you, what do you want to know about this cylinder? And this is a lesson for me that's so hard because I started teaching math in 1999 and I certainly was taught traditionally and I didn't know how to do it any differently. And so my, you know, my typical lesson is I do the thinking for the students and they do problems back just like I showed them. So trying to get a shift in that where, as Joe Bowler says, it is not our job to rescue them from thinking. So it's always that leading. Well, what do you think? How would you find that? And so we, she finally is like, uh, through a little bit of collaboration conversation with another student, it's like, okay, I need the volume. It's like, well, how do you find volume of a cylinder? She's like, I don't know. Well, let's look that up. There's a calculator for that. So what we're really trying to focus on is not whether or not she can crank out the volume formula, but whether or not she can reason through how to rotate this rectangle. And so she starts running through by herself. She's like, well, what if I did it across the line of symmetry in the middle? I'm like, yeah, let's ha what happens when you do that? And I swear she gave a little fist bump. It's really funny because the kids don't want you to see that they're actually having a good time doing math. But I almost always can get them to that point, but I just let them be patient. And, and it's time consuming to do one problem, but when it's your ideas and it's your thinking and your feelings are validated and you're able to figure it out. That feels really good. And I feel like you've really learned something that hopefully will be lasting. 
that's one of the most powerful moments out there is when some you start answering the question that you asked. So <laughs> I, our kids are so tired of answering questions that we're asking them that they're wondering, when am I going to get to answer what I want to find out? So it's our job, uh, our new profession, in a way, to <clears throat> to have the questions that our kids are asking uh, be able to be approached the way you're doing it and then to be those guiding forces that direct them toward uh, what we know we already want them to learn. Uh, it's it's kind of like a choose your own adventure story. You know, we already know all the possible endings, but uh, the route that they choose to get there is going to be uh, the one that's most interesting to them at the time. And that's a, a powerful learning experience to a student who in the past has had difficulty with their learning experiences because their expectation was, you're going to do it my way. And if you don't show me everything in the right order, then you're a wrong student. I had an argument with a a teacher the other day who was who said out loud in her class, no, I simply will not accept it if you write down 0.75 pi. Uh, and I'm like, well, you need them to write three pi over four as an angle. I'm like, they're not wrong, you know, and they're actually just expressing it the way they're most comfortable. So you you have to accept that. <laughs> and you might want to you you might want to tell them that they're uh, that you have an expectation for their language, and maybe you have an expectation for what you what you want to see for particular reasons. But you can't say that what they did was wrong because it was right. And uh, well, we, that's yeah, what they're we damage them yeah. thinking that there's only one way to do it. Yes, so I actually and, require no matter what it is, they have to write it two ways. So I would say they'd have to do both. I agree. Instead of saying just this is the way we're going to do this. How about you show me what the ways were that you got to get here? Or if you did this in my way, that's fantastic. Can you think of a more creative way to do it? Um, even just a conversation I was having about solving equations, uh, equations using inverse operations. Uh, someone had, had put this one out on Facebook. It was 15 divided by A equals 30. How do you solve for this? And, and all of the answers in the comments were the traditional versions of it. It was multiply both sides by A and then divide by 30. Or recognize that A is 1 over A and multiply by A over 1. And I'm looking at those saying, you know, there's probably a lot of kids who just want to flip 15 over A to A over 15. That's an inverse operation. You know, does any creative kids try this new one that, that gets them 1 on one side and all of a sudden they're simplifying and uh it's interesting to ask them those questions that that they get a chance to say this is the way i want to do it let's just see what happens and i appreciate that you're in a world of teaching now where you can do that and you also recognize the teaching difficulty that we have in that situation i started teaching math in 1999 as well and i you know learned it traditionally and loved it because i had no problem learning it traditionally and so it's been a tough road for me at the same time to say, I'm going to ask a kid a question and I'm going to walk away and let them think for a while and come back and see what they came up with and just uh, let that conversation and discourse happen. So that's really powerful. And uh, Raymond, I know you experienced this a lot in your blended learning classrooms, too. I uh, wasn't really uh, planning on you throwing it to me. <laughs> um, but um wanted to take the opportunity having Alice on the show is kind of tell you uh, that there have been several times uh, where uh, interacting with you on Twitter or reading one of your books has really allowed me to take the next step into the blended learning okay. classroom and uh, really do the best for what's my students. So um, one instance was I think I was really going through my own kind of uh, shift on thinking of homework. And uh, I think just randomly I'd interacted with you online and and uh, you were really unmoving about it, even though I was kind of wishy-washy at, <laughs> at a time uh, and really moving through my own feelings and trying to figure it out. And 
you were very definitive about it. And uh, that really kind of shocked me. I said, you know what? Why am I doing this? And she's right. You know, there really is no reason for it. I'm only, you know, I have to get out of my own head for this. And then uh, the second thing, and uh, this has really shaped, I, I think, a lot of my teaching is in your book, Teaching Math with Google Apps, you say, teach like the internet actually exists. And uh, a lot of the things that you've said already today, I mean, I'm already making a list of the great things that you've said. Um, I, I mean, just so much of it goes back to, um, you know, utilizing the tools that we have and, you know, don't pretend that they're not there because students need to know how to use these tools. Um, so I guess uh, out of that, my, my question to you is, as a new coach, because I'm still new to the coaching realm, um, you, like I said, have a very definitive style about uh, the way that you give recommendations. And uh, my first question is, is, you know, do you have any pushback um, for being so um, definitive about, you know, using technology in the classroom when I know that uh, when you engage with teachers about technology, it's really interesting that we, you know, kind of beat around the bush when it comes to change and, you know, we're hand-holding a lot, but, you know, ultimately, uh, teachers themselves have to take that step. So I was wondering if you can kind of speak to, you know, uh, supporting educators, but also making sure that you have that line in the sand that says, you know what, we're, we live in the 21st century and we need to make these changes. Yeah, uh, you asked if I get pushback. That's like my everyday all the time. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're not going to make change unless you're uncomfortable. It's that cognitive dissonance. You, you have to be in a place where you just like so discombobulated almost that you feel like you need to do something differently. I have a great Google Cardboard lesson, which I just put my soul into. It is... Uh, has you climbing El Capitan in Yosemite with the box on your face. And then of course I have a spreadsheet, which anybody who knows me, the answer is always a spreadsheet. And it goes through, I just finished reading Joe Bowler's book, Mathematical Mindsets. And I'm like, I'm gonna do it like this. The opening activity should enhance your understanding. It's like some sort of a game or activity and exploration that helps you to understand the process rather than just memorize the steps. And then how do you get all four C's in there? How do you teach like Google exists with the, and collaborate and do all of this stuff? And usually when you isolate it down and you talk about one or two small things, you do get a lot of pushback. Well, what about, and that's great for your classroom, but that won't work with these kids. Probably my least favorite statement. I hear that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I get it when they call them the clientele. Like, we don't have the clientele for that. I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. Or it's like, oh, kids in third grade, you know, and it's like you can fit it, put X grade in there, you know. Um, I just like to point them to Christine Pinto, who has her kindergartners doing it. And I'm like, your kids can. Yeah. Yes, they can. Uh, but when I do this Google Cardboard lesson, it, it, it's very me. I don't really think uh, someone else would be very easily able to replicate it. Which, by the way, if you want the lesson plan, it's alicekeeler.com slash LCAP, E-L-C-A-P. And when you go through it, you just feel like you see all of it put together, all the things that, that you say, and it's like, what does it look like in, a, in one lesson? And then what I've had is some good success is teachers be like, well, I can't do that but I realize I need to do something. 
And so my whole shtick, I think, is that a step is stepping into something new. A step is not taking what you've done and making it digital. It was designed for paper, then it's better on paper. It wasn't designed for a digital medium. And how do we recognize that we're, we don't need to coddle very talented and awesome educators. We're talking about college graduates who have done amazing things in their life and has done some very challenging things. And teaching is hard. There's no question about it. It's DOK4. And what works with one class isn't going to work with another. And it's the cheese keeps moving, right? But I have yet to meet someone who can't learn something new. And so just having that conversation is how can we solve a problem, not how do we make it digital? And show them something that is a challenge is something that is just above your ability level, but with within your reach. It's the problem is when we give them something so far above where they're at that you shut down. And so, you know, a six hour drink with a fire hose professional development is kind of our standard MO, but we know it's not very effective. Really? Are you, wait, <clears throat> I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, just d delivering, uh, you know, six straight hours of talking and hoping that everybody loves me in my next session. Um, but I think I might just change that up a little bit now that you bring it up. Um, but so that's what's interesting, too, is that we know that our kids can learn and we have to be those educators that truly understand exactly where they are so that we can put that slightly out of reach, but, but within, uh, you know, working distance question or problem or opportunity within that. Uh, and we don't do that if what we know is just what's the next lesson in order or what the next page of the textbook is because we're not paying attention to our kids. Uh, instead, we're paying attention to uh, getting the job done for the least amount of time necessary for the most amount of you know money to time ratio because you know, it always worked for us this way. But uh, I wanted to give you a chance uh, in the last couple of minutes here to share a little bit more about uh, you have a new Chrome extension you've released and where people can find more information about you if they don't already know about you. But uh, what that Chrome extension is, what it does, and uh, any other projects you might be working on that you'd like to share with us here. I am super excited about this. Now, first of all, probably the most exciting thing is a kid made it. So my nephew, he is a high school senior and he's like, I don't know how to make Chrome extensions. And I'm like, well, figure it out because I need this. So who doesn't need a class roster? It feels like one of the most basic things we need as a teacher. Whether it's paper or digital, I want to check things off, make a list of my students, something. Uh, Google Classroom does not make an easy way for me to just get the class roster. So it's alicekeeler.com slash roster, and you install the Chrome extension, and all you do is click on the Chrome extension from a drop-down list, select the class that you want to roster from, and like magic, it just creates a new tab with a spreadsheet, and it gives you the first name, last name, their first and last name together, if you want it that way, and their email address. And do with it what you want. See, it's a matter of, uh, of efficiency with you. I think this is the best part that you see a problem. Uh, you're my vanilla ice in this world because if there was a problem, yo, you will solve it. And that is the one of the ones that uh, I just think is, is amazing. Uh, it's like, you know what? They don't have a roster. And so instead of just dealing with it and coming up and saying, you know what? I'm just going to make a roster. I'm just going to print it up myself. I'll figure it out. It's like, nope. I can make a way for, for this and for every teacher who uses Google Classroom to be able to access this and use it right away. And then you asked someone else who didn't know how to do it 
to do it for you. So uh, you're a, you're a model of ingenuity and leadership to all of us, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that's exciting. So and also there's other you have other extensions on the Chrome Web Store. They can find by just searching Alice Keeler. And you mentioned uh, that we can yeah, find yeah, you. AliceKeeler.com/webstore. Hey, Alice, there it is. AliceKeeler.com/webstore to see all of her extensions. Uh, and uh, visit AliceKeeler.com. Sign up for uh, updates from her website because she is putting out uh, some of the best and most useful things that you can use on. Uh, on Twitter and on her website regularly now. So uh, once again, I think we are about to come to a close Is that uh, and let uh, the next guest pick up for this half an hour. So uh, thank you, Alice, for being with us and for sharing your perspectives uh, and a lot of your experiences, which I, I mean, I, I covet that. I, I look back for those opportunities to work with kids one-on-one -on -one, uh, and get that the type of growth that you're getting from them. So uh, and for giving us your time on the West Coast, as we're on the East Coast, you're giving us some of your, your uh, highly valuable family time. So again, thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you again, Alice. And for the listeners out there, make sure to follow the Instant Relevance podcast here in season two. Follow us on on Twitter at Instant Rel, and then you can download us on Anchor or wherever podcasts are found, uh, Stitcher, Apple, wherever you want to go, we're there. And uh, look for some great uh, interviews for the rest of the season, and uh, also look us for us on voiceed.ca.